Hello and welcome to Ahead of the Curve. This is your host, Jonathan Gellner, and this episode is powered by Stick and Ball TV. I'm excited to announce that Ahead of the Curve is now part of the Stick and Ball TV family. Stick and Ball TV is the baseball and softball streaming platform dedicated to coach and player development. It features hundreds of videos from top baseball and softball coaches and leading brands. There are literally hundreds of videos across all parts of the game, and I am so thankful to be a part of the community that they have built. We want you to join the community so bad that we are giving away one free month to each of you. Use the code AOTC2021 for a free month and check it out at Stick and Ball TV or on the Stick and Ball app on the App Store. Once again, that's AOTC2021, all lowercase. Today we have on Lance Zawatsky, minor league hitting coach for the Boston Red Sox. Lance played at San Diego State University and Lee University, and he also played for six different organizations and indie ball before getting into coaching. So on the show, we talk about the lower half function in the swing, we talk about training adjustability, and how to use technology efficiently. You're going to love this episode with Lance Zawadzki. Lance, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Jonathan. Definitely, and I'm, I'm glad to be able to you know share the mic with you today. I, I know we've had a lot of different conversations in the past, and, and I'm so thankful that Doug uh, introduced us, and uh, ever since then, I feel like we've been kindred spirits and and so it's, it's, it's been really good to be able to, you know, talk some shop with you on the mic today and to share what you're doing, because I know you're doing a great job. But uh, again, I was telling you with, with the show, uh, the bio is now in the intro. So we're going to go ahead and, and start with the regular content. And so when you're working with Red Sox minor league players, you, you were at Instructional League, so you're working with the guys who are up and down with the big leagues too. But let's say that just you have a player you don't know much about whether they were acquired in a trade or whether maybe you're in the off season and you're doing some lessons and there's a high school dad who's like, Hey, can you work with, you know, with my son? What are some really some key points that you're starting to look at, or just really what are some first things that you do and look at whenever you're evaluating new players? Well, I think first of all, even before you get in the swing and, and all that stuff, like I think just trying to get a read on, on the personality, the character of the player and kind of see where they're at, you know, mentally and, and how they handle themselves. I think that's huge because as a play, as a, as a coach, it's all about the connection you can make. And from that connection that opens up the communication. So if you kind of have a, have a route to go down as far as knowing and kind of how to go, even go about that player. And uh, you know, some of these, some of these players, you know, you might've known or seen in the past, but it's your first time really working with them or, you know, some it's like legitimately the first time you've seen them. So I think it's just important getting, you know, first of all, read on that. And, and then from there, you know, just seeing how the player moves, you know, as hitting coaches and I'm sure I'll say it more than once during this, but you know, we're movement coaches and, and how we're moving. So I think it's important to see how our players moving. I'll look and see, you know, from his setup, uh, how his first move looks, how his first move looks from setup and, and seeing where he's getting to. And then his first move in, you know, from his launch and just kind of kind of going through a couple of things, seeing how his body's moving, uh, mobility, stability wise, just, you know, more of an eye test at first. And then uh, and then, you know, after we start to hit, you know, breaking up some rounds and kind of and, and getting to know the player more this at this point, more so talking and kind of getting his thought process and and kind of where he's been a little bit of a story and. And, and how he's gotten to this point of, of how he's hitting. 
No, that's really good. And and so let's let's break a couple of those down. And let's you gotten to know the player, and you first you you said you start at setup. Now, whenever you're looking at setup, I mean, there are some that argue that setup doesn't matter. There's some that it's a you know it's a byproduct of of what you're trying to achieve, or it's just they're trying to emulate their favorite player. And so I like that question that you asked of, you know, you're talking about why you swing the way you do a little bit. And I think that that can get to the heart of, of why they're doing different things, but talk to us about what, you know, what are some key KPIs that you look for, or maybe I don't want to call them absolutes, but just some, some things that you consistently see that help them to transition from the setup to the forward move and then, you know, launch or, or bat path or whatever you want to call it. But what are some different things that you look for in the setup? Well, first of all, I think the swing is the byproduct of all the things we do before it. So by the time we get to the swing, like it's, it's, it's about everything that leads up into that. So when I, when I'm talking about the the setup, it's, you know, the batting stance, but I purposely call it the setup. Cause for me, the first move out of that is so important that I feel like the setup, I call it that cause you're setting up your first move. So as, as you're getting ready, as you're in your stance, it's really, how are you, how are you set up and how are you moving to get you ready for that first move? Cause to me, it's so many times, and I'm sure you've seen it, you know, a bunch too, we all have as coaches, mm-hmm. but we can sit there and go back and it's like, you see a, a, you know, a problem somewhere in the swing or the way the ball's coming off or how he's coming off. And, and I mean, so many times it's unbelievable that we can go back and it's like, man, that first move, if we go back to video, it's that first move can make you and break you. So I think that's why it's so important for me to be able to just look for a setup where one, understanding what the guy's trying to do in his first move, you know, whether he's, he's a big leg kick guy or he's just trying to create some ground and move forward or set some direction, kind of what he's doing, because mm-hmm. the setup that he has is very important. So that's why I can get dangerous kind of if we're just doing setups for, you know, to mimic players, because that player might have a completely different, you know, move or body or what they're capable, how they're capable of carrying balance. Right. So I think the setup is just so huge because we got to we got to match a setup with what this guy's about to do after he sets up that first move. No, I think that's absolutely critical too. And, and you think about, you think about just the different, (laughs) the different ways that guys are setting up and, and how that in one, one, you know, rabbit hole that we can go down into is vision. Like how does their setup hinder how they're actually going to see the ball even before they take their first move? So I, I think that that's, that's absolutely critical. And, And for me, I know that it's something that for a long time I overlooked because I was like, well, they can just set up how they want to. And then we'll, you know, we'll focus on, you know, bat path and, and all of the, you know, the stuff that your setup is a byproduct of allowing those things to happen as well. So I absolutely, and I'm with you and, and it just, are, are there any, like, say, let's say you're looking at video. Uh, let's say it's from the side view. Are there any things in particular that you're looking for uh, just as far as, as their setup goes? I'm, I'm really trying to like, envision this on an audio podcast but let's say that you've got the side view or the open face view whichever one you're talking about and you're starting at the setup uh tell talk us through kind of what what you're looking for within that because i for me i'm thinking okay are do they are they balanced uh are they able to to make a move from there with without having to sway one way or another to get back to a balanced position uh but just is Maybe you use those too, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on those. No, a hundred percent with the balance. And, and I know we're kind of cut from the same cloth on that. We've talked about it before, but, but, you know, just as far as a setup, like 
I think, I think so many times we get into the mechanics of the swing and we get so caught up and, and there's, there's a ton of value there, no doubt. But I think we get so caught up in like how we're going to swing and how we're doing this. We get, we can't forget that we're athletes in the box. Like, and I know we'll get into mm-hmm. this at some point today. I know, but being an open skill, you know, the environment's always changing around us. So I've got to be able to be an athlete and be in positions where I can do multiple things, you know, athletically, like my swing is a byproduct of an athletic movements, you know? So I think is that guy looking athletic and, and is he able to carry what's in between his feet? And what I mean by that is you said kind of looking if he sways back or he's forward, is he able to carry like our strongest position being stacked up and being athletic? Like, is he able to, is he able to carry that? Like, can he move, you know, kind of a couple of things that I look at from that is he is he in a position where he needs to find balance and athleticism from there, or in his, is he in a position where he can carry it from there? You know, or maybe setting himself in a position where, man, I don't know, like that kind of looks athletic, but what's going to be your first move from there? Are you going to take yourself right out of it? You know, and guys are different. Like you get to see like like a Mookie like a Mookie Betts kind of moves into his posture as he goes. He starts more upright and he kind of moves into it, whereas like uh, you know Lewis from the Mariners like very similar posture when they get towards their swing and get their swing off, but he almost starts that way and is able to carry it the whole time, you know? So I just think it's, it's, it's interesting. It's definitely individualized, but just some things to look at. Like once you start to see how a guy moves, you can start to kind of put up, like you can kind of put the two together as like, is this setup, you know, beneficial and is it helping him or is it taken away? Cause obviously our setup, we want to, we want to help the next move. You know, we don't want to try and find the next move from there. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that. And, and so whenever, let, let's say that, okay, setup's fine. We talked about it. They're in or, and I know that, that you're going to be giving a presentation, uh, later this month about, uh, or about the lower half. And I'm, I'm so thankful that, that you were able to, to send over your slides because I was just eating those up. I thought that, that, that you did a fantastic job. And, and if you're listening after this presentation, I'm sure that you killed it, uh, to the listeners, but, Let's talk about the lower half, and it's one of those that I think a lot of people Google search for, you know, and it's like what to do right. with the lower half. And so just I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead you in with that. Just kind of walk us through exploring the lower half. Okay, well, I kind of hit on a little bit. Even to get into it, what I'd like to do is just talk about, you know, being an open skill position. So, so hitting being an open skill, meaning like, the environment's changing. Like when we, when we start our move, like that ball is not in the same spot as it was before. And we don't know the movement. We don't know the speed. We don't know the location. So we need to put ourselves in a position of athleticism and adjustability, you know, to be able to cover, I mean, a range of different things, you know, speed wise, movement wise, location wise. Whereas like, you know, we look at, and just on the other end of that, we look at pitching. Pitching is completely in control of their environment. Like they've got the ball, they create the tempo, they create, they're even in like they're in control of where they throw it, even if their control is not there. Like they're still the one in control of what they're doing. And similarly in golf, a lot of similarities with baseball. And I love looking at some of the golf stuff. But at the same time, like when we load or when the golfing swing loads, like when they go back down, that ball hasn't moved, <laughs> you know, so they can kind of do whatever they want because yeah, they absolutely. know that ball's there. Whereas, you know, with those similarities, there's still that there's still that um, position where like that ball's not in the same spot. So it's so important to be able to create. So as, as I lead into that, I think that needs to be hit on before, because as we're talking about the lower half, as I go through those, you know, that side and those presentations, you know, 
first thing I have is bounce, like we said. And, and to me, it's just the backbone. Like it's like, it's the main thing. And as we get in the other, the other things we hit up, you know, during the presentation is the setup, the first move, the ground and the hips, basically everything from the waist down. And we start to just, you know, see how balance is interwoven into all those things and the, and the importance of it to be able to create that position where we can put ourselves in position for different speeds, different locations, and, you know, different movement on it. Right. So there's a, there's a lot of different directions <laughs> that we can go with it. Right. That, but I, we'll, we'll come back to, to the lower half here in just a second, as far as like the mechanics of it. But whenever we're talking about you know, setting up to hit different types of pitches. I mean, we're thinking about, I mean, what, 10 different types of pitches that we could potentially see. So just like we've got soft, like soft moving away from you. You've got, you know, firm moving away from you. You've got firm moving in. You've got soft that moves in and out of the zone. You know, you've got fastballs that are out of the zone. Um, right. You've got soft moving in, you've got soft moving down, you've got, and then you've got the Garrett Cole four seam fastball that's basically rising out of his hand and trying to hit all of those different pitches. I mean, it goes back to that athleticism that you talk about and being able to have the ability to even compete with that. Right. And I, I know that that sounds no like doubt. a very defensive position that we're in, but I don't, I don't think that we have to whenever we are setting up the training environment to be able to do that. So uh, I love the term, uh, you're, we're training solutions to pitch problems. So those are the problems that we're going to have. So how do we train in different solutions to be able to accomplish those tasks? And like, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Like how, how important is the environment? And then how are we, how are you specifically, or how ideally would we be able to train for all of those different types of pitches? Well, I think, I think it's twofold with that. So I think you have your, your setup, your move, your swing mechanics. And like we've kind of already lead, uh, led into putting yourself in those positions where you can, you know, be consistently get to a spot, be athletic and have adjustability, like staying within your feet and staying within your front side, where even if you have to ride into it a little bit, like you have that room and, you know, like, like with the speeds and stuff like that, like we're talking about, you know, hundreds of a second or whatever between pitches and how much we need to, how much longer we need to hold, you know, and hold our backside as we go. So I think that, I think that the setup, the move, all that plays a key part in, in doing that. So as far as like drills and path drills and balance drills, drills for adjustability, like I think those are all, all huge as far as setup and mechanic wise. But then, you know, the second fold of that to me is like the variant training, like, like challenging, like a uh, black box multi-machines where we can go north and south, we can go east and west. And then, you know, one of the cool things, like, you know, we've got those black box machines where you can almost program it. So one of the big things like we were even doing at the alternate site because, you know, guys aren't getting as many at bats because, you know, it's based on the pitching that day. So we're mm -hmm. giving them, you know, even random, randomized and it kind of matches pitching now, right? Because it's so hard to track. It used to be like, Okay, well, you know, like two oh, I'm getting the fastball, you know, or three one, I'm getting the fastball, or oh, oh, he's gonna try and right. get ahead. And it's not always the case now. So it's kind of cool because you can get to those places where you can randomize, like you throw, you know, a high heater, a low heater, and then mix in like a slider and a curveball from a righty, you know, and then you can obviously mix it up and do it from the left side. But just giving these guys different looks where it's a check for your body, like it all it all goes back to how you're moving and how you're controlling your body and controlling that athleticism, which allows for that adjustability out front to me. 
No, I love that. And, and thank you for giving us some different takeaways and, and uh, an under the hood look, I guess you could say. And I think that that's, that's really, really good. And so I just, man, it's, it's, what is it like 48% of fastballs in the major leagues now? And and that's going to be a trickle down effect for everyone else. Right. And yeah, it almost seems like that number's aggressive, right? (laughs) Wow. Yeah. (laughs) From what, from what, from what we see, but yeah. and And it's constantly changing. Like, you know, as, as, as hitters make adjustments, guess what? Pitchers are really in control of it. So they're going to decide where it goes from there. So, and obviously the big thing with that is, you know, with hitting it's, it's to keep us off time, right? Mm -hmm. Mess with our timing, mess with locations and, and have us make, make us do these things that we're talking about, which is obviously harder than being able to sit there and expect every ball down the middle and and be able to hit a ball off a tee. Right. Right. Again, a lot of different directions we could go with this and and I'm going to try and hit on all of them as much as I can. But I think that we need to rewind just a minute because there's a lot of coaches that are taking notes and they're, you know, planning all of these different practices and they're going to throw all of the kids into the fire and they're going to fail. And I think that we, you know, we need to rewind because you've already had these conversations with the players about what is expected in training. And, you know, something that I did not do well in the past is just kind of throwing them into the fire and saying, okay, go get them, you know, without giving them context. And so I'm sure it it may not have, you've been, you played in the minor leagues for a long time and and you've been a coach for several years and it has, it wasn't always like this. And so whenever you started to transfer, you know, the easy BP every single day uh, and what Randy Sullivan calls 40, 40, 40, which is, is kind of funny. Uh, to this type of training and environment, whenever you started to transition to that, what was that conversation like? Because I think that that's really important to set up, you know, buy-in from the players. Well, you know, I think it's big that they know up front, like there's a trust issue that there's actual work going on and we're not sitting there evaluating you getting blown up, you know, on this machine or, or, or struggling. Cause point. you know, if it's, if it's to the point where, like you talked about, it's just the easy BP. Yeah, I can, I can. A lot of times I can manipulate my body into those spots and, and don't get me wrong. There's extreme, like there's value in BP. Like I don't take away from the BP, but, mm-hmm. but these type of things added on where, you know, at the end of it, we can get our good swings and feel good, you know, but there's a, there's a time where I'm really getting better kind of when I'm getting dominated and I actually need to make adjustments and feel that. And I'm okay. And I'm, and I'm okay. And I'm okay with failing, you know? I think there's a point and that's, you know, we try and stress that with guys, especially when we're doing the VOs and the different mixes and all that, like you're not expected, like, like there's a reason 1% make it to the top, you know, and then, and then, you know, the superstars 1% of that or whatever. And it's like, you know, we're training and we're, we're getting ourselves in position of failure because if you play a long time in this game and you fail, you know, we've all heard it a thousand times, 70% of the time you're a hall of famer. Well, I like the fact that, Yes, my training can be harder than that, but we'll always bring it back to, all right, now let's get comfortable and let's, you know, let's still get our swings in, like our comfortable swings in, our swings where we're just getting ready, you know? So Mm -hmm. I think there's training and then I think there's, you know, preparation. Oh, I like that. Tell us more about training versus preparation and how you differentiate between the two. Well, I think, like we said, when training, maybe there's a specific thing we're working on or, or just like we can throw in, like we said, let's just go with, all right, we're working the high heater, the low heater, and we're mixing speeds, right? So we got three or four pitches and, and you're going to get dominated. 
Like you can't, and, and we're setting these machines up firm, right? So the high heater, the one that plays with like spin at the top, like you're going to get eaten up on that because you can't cover everything. And sometimes, sometimes it's guys, okay, you're just going to lay off that pitch and you're going to swing at it sometimes, right? They're going to see it coming out and they're going to see it look good and they're going to swing. They're going to get eaten up. And then there's other times where it's like the off speed's going to get you. Like you're on the fastball. It's okay. Like, I think it's more important. Let's make this hard. So when we get in the game, it's not as hard. Like you're seeing stuff you're not going to see in the game. Like you're just, Mm -hmm. you know, you're not going to see like four plus pitches. Like you can make those things as hard and sharp as you want. But then we can always bring it. What I like to do is, is we do that stuff earlier in the day or whatever. And then we can always bring it back. You know, when we take BP before the game or whatever, all right, let's get within ourselves. Let's get comfortable, get some good swings so that we can, get ourselves prepared for the game in a way mentally like, okay, I'm in control here. I've got the swing that I want. I'm getting through the ball, you know, whatever you've been working on, you can kind of tie it in without sitting there having to compete before the competition. Oh, really good. I think that, you know, one thing that I've neglected in the past that I think I'm going to try and do a better job of is really, is really highlighting the difference between those two as well and understanding, hey, guys, this is what we're going to do to train. This is what we're going to try and do to acquire a skill. And this is what we're going to try and do to get ready. And I, I really, I, I think that that's, that's a distinction that sometimes that we can make because, like you mentioned, we don't want to beat them over the head every single day and make them have literally zero confidence. But we also want them to see what they're going to see in a game as much as possible so they can start to build that you know, pitch map or, or whatever you want to call it. Do you think that there's value, like, let's say, let's say that you, you know, you've, you've got a a group of youth kids and you're trying to level up their skill and maybe they're not quite there yet. Is, is there value in just seeing those different types of pitches and just moving on them just to try and again, quicken everything up a little bit or just tighten everything up a little bit so they know what they're looking for or at is, is there value in that? I think a hundred percent, as long as, as long as like, in my own opinion, obviously that we bring them back to a place where they're comfortable and confident at the end of it, but absolutely challenge, challenging kids. And you know, what's it's funny you bring that up. So we had a, I had a guy in town, like, you know, a guy that, that, that played with me like this last year, it comes in town to get some work in for a couple of days. And I had a couple of the, the kids that I trained in the off season come and work and we're getting ready to hit on the VO machine. And I already know this player hasn't done too much because all the COVID stuff, he's getting ready to go to winter ball and we got to start seeing some VO and some spin. And so we get on the VO machine and I know, you know, he's going to get eaten up because he just hasn't seen the VO. He's just getting back into it. And kind of one of my things I went over and told him and we talk about telling players what to expect. And he already knows like, you know, when you're seeing VO, you're just not going to hit everything hard. You're not going to square everything up. It's about making your adjustments. You know, it's getting on you quick. And, and I pulled him aside and I was like, dude, like, you know, him just like all of us as humans like want to do well especially when people are watching but i would you know i went over and told him like listen like i (laughs) this might seem funny but i actually want them to see you fail in this like i want them to know it's okay that like you're working on something so sure enough the first three rounds he's getting eaten up and as he makes his little adjustments here and there by the end of it you know he's raking and he's raking it but but for kids to be able to see like that's okay like the work like you're not, you know, you're not graded. Like you don't get your batting average and all that stuff. And, and you don't get your wins and losses as a team based on, you know, how you're doing on this drill. If the drill is meant to be challenging, like it's challenging for a reason, you know, like we're putting ourselves in position where we're, we're pushing ourselves to the next level. And sometimes to get to that next level, we need to go even harder than that next level is. No, great advice. And, you know, I think that 
you know, something that you didn't mention, but I think that needs to be hit on is you're getting buy-in. I don't, I don't know if this is your best player, but this is a player that you've worked with before. And so you've got, I, maybe I'm interpreting this wrong, but you've got, you're, I'm envisioning you working with several new players and then you've got this player that you had before. And I love that you went up to him beforehand and said, Hey, I, it's okay for you to do this and you're getting him to buy in to almost get everyone else to. And anytime that we can get either our most experienced player or a player that we know or a player that it, in all scenarios, all of those things and our best player, if we can get them to buy in, you know, just the tribe mentality, group mentality, they're all going to look at them and go, oh, he's doing it. And so I need to do that. And I think you get instant buy in with that. Hundred percent, and you start to create a culture amongst the players. Absolutely, where where they work. I love it. I love it. So you know, kudos to, to you for that. I, I'm I'm sure that you, but I, I just wanted to highlight that for the, the guests because I think that that's you know that's something that that I think is is seldom talked about, but I think is, is extremely important, especially when you're trying to do something new. And so I can't remember what book I was reading about it, but that was one of the highlights of, hey, if we're trying something new. Uh, I can't remember what it was. Maybe it was, uh, oh, it was Coach K's book, and they were talking about the, the. It was the gold standard of where they were. They were. It was Team USA, so with like Kobe and LeBron and all of those guys. And he would go to a couple of those guys and ask them different things that he wanted them to talk about in the meeting that was going to be in like the next day or the next week, and for them to talk about some of the things that he wanted to, like in their own words. So then it kind of got everybody else on board because if you're like, if Kobe's on board, then I'm going to be on board. And if he's talking about this, and it was in their own, but he wanted to get their take on it, but he also wanted to give them an idea of what it was so that they could speak up. And so, again, I'm rambling here, but I thought that that was a great piece that you did, and I wanted to highlight that for our guests. But let's, uh, man, let's go back to the lower half. Okay, so we went on a... We went on a tangent there about uh, environment and adjustability, <laughs> and, I, and I love it. Uh, I think it's truly, truly important. But uh, again, mechanics-wise, you're going to talk about this uh, in in the clinic, and as best you can, we have to be able to adjust. If the environment makes us adjust, we will, but we have to be able to give give our players answers because if we're, again, if they're getting beat over the head every single day and they're, they don't know how to make a change, we need to be there for them with some information to help them. And so what, what are some different ways that you found uh, with the lower half that allows you adjustability and just, again, key markers uh, and, uh, you know, asterisk, this is not the same for every single player that you work with. And, and I hope that our coaches understand that there are very few absolutes in anything. And so just, but what are some different ways that you found that are consistent, maybe not absolute, but just consistent with the, with the players that you see? Uh, I tend, you know, just with, just with the lower half, we talk about balance and really, you know, our move and creating a move to balance and athleticism where we can work. And I think, you know, one of the best things, and these are some like the oldest, like the oldest drills, like, you know, you could think of and do, but when you start to understand like what they're creating and what you're supposed to feel in it, like, you know, I think there's great value for the players, like something as easy as put, you know, when we talk about just creating that balance and controlling a move forward and, and you, you even brought in the vision part, which, which, you know, I talk about it in here is like 
through all these things, the balance, maybe one of the biggest things balance allows is just clean vision. Like when I stay in between my feet and I have that, I have my head between my feet and, and, you know, I'm going to have a little movement with my head. It might be, you know, we've talked about down a, down a step of a staircase one time, you know, that little forward and down move, but, but it gives me that ability to be able to track because while all this is going on, while I'm loading, well, you know, while making my move into position and getting ready to swing, like I'm supposed to be watching the ball, the different movement, I'm picking up the different movement, the different location, you know, the, the speed of it. So I've got all these things. So I think, you know, I think that's huge with that, but just as far as like being able to learn to control the move, I can put them in different positions where, you know, I love, I love putting them with their feet together. I'll even cross their feet behind where they really have to control that move to a 50, 50. And, um, even, even I call it a self-organization drill. I'll have them with their, if I'm flipping to them, I'll have them with their chest on me and their feet open towards me. And I'll just say, all right, don't square back up to the plate, but get, get, hit the ball. Like, I just want you to hit the ball. I want you to try and hit it with your chest on me. And it just watches how their body naturally fits into a launch position moving forward, you know, without them trying to square back up or turn in. Mm-hmm. And it's usually they start to see some freedom in there. They have to control that move forward. They have to learn how to stay within their feet with that because otherwise they'll be falling over and they're all over the place. So I just think there's real, there's value in anything we can pull from balance. Uh, you know, one of the newer things is, you know, the synapse where we can really feel balance. We can really feel what it's like to lift, control our move with our backside, and then really what muscles are really controlling that so that when we get off of that thing, we can, you know, really feel what, what we set out to feel in the first place and how I'm supposed to control that move forward. I love that. So whenever you see, so if we were, if we were going to maybe bucket some different commonalities that you see with the lower half, and you know the problems that that occur uh, again it's 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 tough to do without video but are there right. any different things that you see consistently that players do whether it's youth uh, or just the, the the amateur realm in general uh, pro guys even that they do that really hinders them that that you see a lot i mean we tend to see that big negative move back where the first thing you're doing is taking your body out of balance and i mean we even see that you know all the way up. And, and, you know, it's tough sometimes because sometimes we get to see those guys on TV and it kind of looks, it looks different and they look like they're doing some crazy stuff. And sometimes it's the talk about the big leaders being the 1%. Well, then you got the 1% of 1% that are just super elite athletes and movers. You know, we talk about 1% of big leaguers being just super athletes and movers that can get away with some things. But then, you know, there's things to be said that set a foundation, I think. And even if you can set that foundation, like as a player, being able to move within balance, move within yourself. Then from there, you can kind of put your own flavor, your own stuff onto it, you know, and add as you go. And I think that takes you as far as like balance will take you, you know, with that, however far you can go with still remaining in balance and athletic. So I think the biggest thing is that you see is just, you know, we keep going back to that first move, but that's why it's so important to me that, that out of that first move, as we start to lift our leg, we completely get maybe on our backside or over it. And you see it, you know, you see it at every level and just being, sometimes it's just to clean that move up and stand the inside part or, you know, the inside part of your backside, the inside part of your back hip and starting to load underneath your hips. Like sometimes that's all it takes to make a huge, you know, that small change makes a huge difference. I love it. So just as a checkpoint and tell me, this is kind of me envisioning what you're saying is whenever they shift back their, their knee or their hip kind of gets outside of their back foot. And that's what you call the negative move, like negative towards the the backstop. 
Yeah. And I, and I just, and I think that when you do that, usually your hip level is going to change. We want to try and maintain level hips and level shoulders. Cause once again, vision, the way I'm moving, being able to s- consistently get to that position I want to get, if I'm constantly getting in a different position where I then have to get my hips back level before I hit and, and they're moving around, I think, you know, as hard as hitting is, we make it even harder. So I think just being able to, to maintain and stay in that athletic position between keeps our hips right keeps our hips keeps our hips underneath us our body underneath us and we can move in a you know clean into position oh great love it uh, fantastic explanation uh but let's go ahead and, and move on to uh just a little bit of technology and i know that this is this is something that we're all diving into almost at the same time and and for guys like you you have access to literally everything under the sun almost that you could possibly measure but it is trickling down to college and high school and everyone is swimming a little bit in okay what's important what is not and how do how do i spend less time on the stuff that's not important because i I think that again that's where great process and simplicity wins is what's important and how can we do that more so a little bit of you know, with pick whatever piece of tech you want, we can t- discuss it all. We, we can discuss whatever just that you use. Cause again, you have access to everything, but whenever we're talking about, let's, let's, let's put game planning aside just for a, a second. And we'll talk about that here in a minute. And we can talk about that piece of tech with TrackMan. but for training technology purposes, what are some different things that, that you use? What are the best practices? How do we do it efficiently? Well, I think first of all, I'll, I want to start off with a story though. Okay, so perfect. I had uh, hit us. Okay, so a guy, a guy that I coached, it was in the organization or whatever, spends a day with Bill Belichick. This was a couple of years ago. And so he goes to a practice, Bill Belichick, and I'll never forget the story because, you know, you can, you can fit it perfectly with Belichick, but it also, like, fits our time really well um, with technology. So, so Belichick starts telling the story about this piece of new tech that these guys are trying to sell him. And, you know, it was something similar to what, what we had used at the time. And it was, you know, Belichick's going through this thing and, and he tells these guys, these guys are trying to sell them on like, you know, you could be one of the first ones. And, you know, the quote's hilarious, but Belichick goes, you know, if it's a good party, I'll be there, but I don't need to be the first one, you know? So making sure like, yeah. And you can just, you know, with his personality in the way, if you picture him saying it, like I laugh every time I repeat it, but you know, that story's always stuck with me because yes, it's funny, but also there's, there's value to that. And, and making sure that the stuff we're using is actually being used the way it's, you know, supposed to. And the way we're applying it is, is the way it's supposed to be applied. And there's, you know, there's validity to it. So now that that story is out of the way, um, as far as the technology, you know, one of, one of the things we use is, is Blast as we, uh, uh, you know, as an organization. And we just have, you know, one of the things is I think that as as us as coaches, our players, we can only spend so much time with them and they hit with different people. They hit on their own in the off season. They're trying to gain as much information as they can as well. So, so some guys are built differently. So uh, like, for example, like I had a player, like, like, and we had talk, you know, some of this stuff trying to dome it down and be simple. And it was, um, and he was like, you got to give me the numbers. You got to show me the numbers. And he had kind of, he had, he had, in the off season, he's exposed to all this different technology. So it's like, give me, you know, I need the numbers or I need the numbers to see it. And I'm like, you know, just trust, me, just trust me, you know, and over time it's like, dude, I, I need some, like, I need to have the hard data. And I was like, you know, I'm going through my mind. And, and so one day, you know, I know we have the blast on regardless. And so it's like, okay, well, we set up the speaker to blast. So Siri's out there and, 
And the and what what we were doing, he was flat and he was cutting across a little bit, but it didn't feel like that to him. So we're talking about how to do it. So the only way I could reach him was, okay, well we set up Siri and he's taking swings, and so after every swing we set it up for you know his attack angle or whatever. And you know the first one's like, you know minus seven, and it's like you know he's like really it's that flat, and I'm like dude I'm telling you it's that flat, <laughs> you know or that steep, and it's like so he starts playing and he's making his adjustments pitches pitch to pitch, like, you know, in batting practice or in these flips. And he's actually going down in his attack angle, like where he wants to get to. So it's interesting. I think, I think we need to be versed in this stuff. Cause you know, especially on the pro end, cause our guys are, our guys are training in different ways and using different ways to train. So I think we need to be able to meet these guys in a, in a place where they're at, you know, to get to them. For me, that's just a cool thing. Cause maybe something I never would have done, but to reach this player, I went there. You know, and and it was a benefit to him, and it helped him, and it got him to feel what I wanted him to feel by him by him forcing himself to feel those things to get the numbers that he wanted, and that's just the way he trained and was and kind of built his swing in the off season. So I thought that was you know that was great being able to do that. Absolutely. Can you speak on it a little bit to the amateur coaches who are either in college or even in high school where they've got like you know thirty forty guys. Uh, that they're potentially trying to use technology f- with and just do you have any advice for you know hitting coaches out there that are swimming in it a little bit I think just to simplify you know one of the best ways I've seen us use it is almost like markers where it's like uh you know we've got these guys wearing these blasts and stuff like that and it's like you know we have the data so you have you have when this guy you know, say, say this guy's hit, hit in a certain way and we make a change down the road, you know, a couple months later we make a change and it's like, man, he's, you know, he's raking, he looks completely different. So we can go back and look at kind of where his numbers maybe were then and just see the difference. Like, you know, we had, we had an example of a guy where, where we had made a change with him. He was a guy that was kind of getting closed off and having to work around his front side. So basically all we did was clear out his front side and got him under his shoulders a little bit with his path. And, uh, you know, you could see the difference, but then on top of that, like you look at his blast numbers and his hand speed had gone, gone up tremendously, you know, over that little adjustment. And it just kind of shows that like, you know, the things we were looking to do and kind of clear him out and give him that way, uh, that they were actually doing that. And, and you've got the data with the visual of it. So, you know, I think there's value for, for what, um, for what we do. I think we just have to be careful in how we do it. And if we're, we're getting so deep in it that it's all about the numbers and all about this other stuff. I think we can get lost in, in some of the stuff that really matters. Oh, for sure. And I, for me, it's, it's, it's a balance of being able to throw out the stuff that we don't feel that is important that helps us make hitters better, but also having an open mind to where, like you said, you had one player who needed that to be able to be his best. And so that's, it's really important to be able to, to make that distinction. And guys, I, I being completely upfront, I have been in the swimming mode and I, at some point will probably do that again. And it's how long can we, how long can it take us to be able to figure it out and then move on and to really distill what's truly, truly important. And, and I know I, I completely get it because I was a high school coach with 40 you know, 40 players and we were trying to integrate, you know, blast and flight scope at the exact same time. And I was doing it basically, you know, a lot of it by myself and it was just taking time away from players. And, 
And so what can we do to be able to simplify it and just help players become better hitters without taking so much time away from just being able to try and figure out technology. And, and I, I think it, you know, it's very, it's very risky and it's very to, to try and figure it out on the fly with players. So just make sure we're cautious of that. Uh, but I love it. And, and, and I think that the technology plays a huge role in our game. And I, and I know that, that with, especially with game planning, we've got everything that we would want on a pitcher that we're going to see in, or in tonight's game. Okay. And so I think that that's a great, a great way to use technology and understanding how game planning works and being able to distill that to the player to feel confident. So talk to us about what a game planning talk would look like. So you get your game planning sheet and I know you and, and you would be doing this the night before and getting prepared to talk with the players to, to be able to, to, again, distill the information to them to where it makes sense. But let's say you get the sheet of who you're going to see tomorrow. What's your process of trying to, trying to almost translate what that sheet says with different spin rates and vertical horizontal movement extension, uh, what every miles per hour on every single pitch that they're going to throw in every single type of zone and the percentages. So you've got all of this information and you're trying to simplify it for the players who are just like, Hey, let's, Let's go compete with this guy, right? So walk us through what you would do uh, on a typical day. You get a game plan sheet, uh, you know, the night of or, or whenever, the morning of. Walk us through what you would do and then how you would distill it to the players. So I, I think, first of all, this is one of my favorite parts of being a hitting coach is really the game planning part and how we're going to, you know, go after it. Uh, so it's a part of every day. Like we never miss one of these, like on my team at least, where where we just create that culture of like, you know, I believe it's what pulls you together as a team because you're talking about team-wise how you're going to go after this guy. Then there's the yes. second set where, you know, individually, like maybe in a meeting, I might call out a couple guys like, hey, for you, this might be a little different than what we're talking, you know, team-wise or, or you know, up to a guy who needs more information or, or on the side and like, hey, like, you know, how are we going to get this guy? You might, I, I might ask him after he knows the information, like what he thinks with his, making sure guys are staying active, like in their approach and thought, you know, and, and how they're going to do this. But, uh, you know, the way we prepare and, and what is the pitcher trying to do? First of all, you know, I'll ask like, what's the pitcher trying to do? What are we trying to do? And then how do we beat them collectively and individually? You know? Uh, so I think it's, I think that as far as what's the pitcher trying to do, I go through and, and it's our job to simplify it. So I'll go and basically I'll take out, here's the pitches he's throwing. So we'll have a sheet and I'll hang it and, and I'll, the guys get all the info, but most of the guys don't want all the info, right? They want, they want to know like, all right, what's this guy throwing the percentages he's throwing that in and the overalls. I'll go with the overalls with the group and just what percentages is he throwing this pitch? So you just get an idea. Cause, cause I mean the game planning, the higher the fastball percentages to me, the easier it is for this guy to game plan against because even at 67%, it's every two out of every three pitches are heaters, right? So it's, it's like, you know, I, I'll look at that and we can attack that if it's more even like we see, not that we get off a pitch, but we start to see like, you know, the game plan might change. We look at the percentage he is throwing strikes, um, also the pitches and just the ranges, kind of the ranges and the miles per hour he averages on those, just so the guys get, it gives them an idea out, uh, out in the open and in the front, um, just of what to expect out of this guy. And from there, you know, if we have a history with him or 
sometimes, you know, in these game plannings, uh, meetings, we talk about just even recently as a team, like, Hey, we haven't been getting the guy in from third. We've been trying to do too much. So I want you guys, you know, it could be anything, but just a small adjustment where, Hey, less than, less than two on third, like we're stressing getting this guy in tonight. You know, we've struggled on that. Let's take, you know, it could be as simple as let's take the pressure off into the ground ball to second base, you know, or whatever it may be. I'm just giving examples, but you know, I think it's huge to prepare these guys and get them ready in a way where they go in feeling confident against this pitcher. They have an idea what he's trying to do. And then we set a team game plan and, and guys will have their individual game plan about how we're going to, how we're going to beat this guy tonight. Oh, that's great. I think that one of the, one of the best things that we can do is to open it up to, for guys who have actually seen him before. And I, you know, because they, they've been in the box and, and we haven't, is, is that something that you do? I think that, it, that it's an interesting thing to, to bring up because you may have a guy who's seen him 10 or 15 times and they have some different input because for me, it's all of all of baseball. The leadoff guy sees him, and then he comes back into the dugout, or hopefully he's on. You know, let's say he hits a bomb, and he comes back. He's like, "Hey, what did you see?" And they're all picking their brains about what the guy uh, has seen in the in the first AB or the first couple couple of guys that hit. Hey, what did you see? What did you see? What did you see? So being able to do that before the first couple of guys would give us, you know, strategically an advantage. But I I just want to know. Do you use players to be able to relay information uh, as far as game planning goes, like in your game planning sessions? A hundred percent. So we, we talk about it and we, you know, we'll talk about it as a group, like the idea of these are for me to start this and for you guys to finish it. Whereas guys who have seen them or even like, as they start getting the numbers, like, or, you know, based on recent games or whatever, these guys start taking over, especially the guys who have faced them, you know, and, and even on these times where we can get in, you know, I might know a guy has a history against him and, and bring that guy into the conversation. And that just kind of gets the guys talking. Cause ideally the less I can talk after the information is delivered and the more these guys talk, that's the culture that we want to create, you know, amongst the hitters. That's great. So what are, what are some different phrases that you hear? Because again, we, we have a very wide arraying audience and I think we all like collectively as coaches, we need to do a better job of being able to speak the game in a universal language, like not, not just, not just making everything so like aligned, but having a a common language of where we're like, Hey, this guy has fastball that's run or that runs, or he's got a fastball that, that rides, you know, and it stays up in the zone and, and just little tidbits like that players are able to then, you know, uh, interpret that into their own context of what they've seen similarly in the past. But uh, again, with the wider array of audiences and, and even in pro ball, there's some guys who don't know what those terms mean, but what are some different phrases that the players use to be able to describe different pitches that they see? Um, they'll talk, they'll talk about the ride or the vertical, you know, on the fastball, obviously, um, the bite on a breaking ball, um, you know, we mess around with the, the split finger and call if he's got the trap door or not and the door gets pulled out at the end, you oh, know, nice. it drops like down. But, uh, yeah, I think, I think another thing that's cool and I'll just, I'll just hit on this as far as the game planning. And as sure. we talk about, you know, like the culture in the dugout, but it was really fun to see because a lot of these guys, you know, all the, all the information now at the minor league level, like was more than even when I played in the big leagues that I got, it's even more now, like in high eight, two years ago, you know, like when I had it. Right. So it, it's, it's pretty amazing that 
as the season went on, you got to see guys and we have the sheet up, you know, with like the relievers on the other team and, and it'll show, you know, their average speed and then the vertical they have on their ball and all this and that. And so they'll watch guys start to warm up and they'll start putting it together. Like this guy looks like he has some pride on his fastball. Like what's his vertical? And then they'll like go in and be like, Oh, you know, like this guy, like, you know, we probably need to stay on top of this guy. And you know, it's, it's so fun to hear. Cause, and then, you know, you ultimately as a coach, you don't want to be the one that they rely on. You want them to learn so that they can understand for themselves, but also in a team atmosphere when they can start relying on each other and trust is built. That's when something special as an offense, you know, just on the hitting side, at least that's something when something special happens where, you know, you start to see guys clicking and the team clicking together. No, that's absolutely critical. And, and I'm, you know, it's, I'm kind of laughing, uh, just because for some reason or another, whenever they're having those conversations, I'm envisioning, you know, you just, you know, lighting up a cigar and then going and sitting in the clubhouse and letting, <laughs> I don't, I don't know why that, 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 that came to mind, but but I love that. Drop, and I, I, but drop, I, drop the mic and take it back into the clubhouse. Hey, just go watch it on TV. No, I really like that just because, again, the older that we get, the less in tune we are with players or with this generation's quote-unquote language. And so the best that we can do is to let them take the reins on all of that. But I do think that they need to have a baseline understanding. And then when you get moments like that, it's like, okay, this is a winning ball club. Like this is what, this is what winning teams do. And so I, I really like that. I don't, I don't know why that vision came to mind, but that's, <laughs> that, that was my next question is let's say that you had this game plan and then he, you know, he has like, he, for whatever reason, he's either on or one of his pitches just completely sucked because that's what happens. And so having those conversations in the dugout, what does that look like when your game plan isn't potentially working? Well, I think that's, you know, first of all, we bring that up in the regular pregame plan anyway. If like, hey, if this guy's off of what we're saying, like, that's why it's so important, like, that we keep talking. How are we going to attack this guy? So it's an ongoing conversation throughout the game. I feel like the, the game planning part never stops on the offensive side through the game. Because remember that, like, these teams, like, they're all meeting. So they're pitching staffs against us. So maybe if we dominated this guy last time and he threw us this way and we're all revved up and ready to go and attack this guy again. And like, all of a sudden, like, wait a second, they completely pitched us maybe backwards or whatever it is. And, you know, uh, they have no feel for a pitch that day. Like where this guy's got a, this guy tries to get ahead with his freaking curveball all the time. And then it's like, well, he doesn't have it today. So he's not doing that, you know, or, or his wife out, you know, slider, he, you know, he has no feel for it, whatever it may be. Sometimes in the minor leagues, like, what's amazing is we see sometimes like sometimes these guys are just like pitching coordinators in town and they got to work on a pitch, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? So I'm going to throw, this is my third or fourth pitch, but I've got to throw it as my number two tonight. And so we need to make, you know, adjustments on the fly to that. But to me, to me, that's all where it goes back to the culture that's created when it all starts, honestly, in the cage in the early work before even BP and stuff, it's carried into the clubhouse. It goes into the, it, it goes into the game planning meeting room and then it carries out onto the field as you go. So to me, to me, that last part where it's in game and dugout, like conversations as the game's going on and, and how are we going to, you know, adjust? Cause the adjustments happen all the time. Like it's not, it's, it's, I won't say it's rare that the game plan lines up perfectly, you know, but, but more times than not, like they're, they're making adjustments too. We've all heard baseball is a game of adjustments. It's that chess match, you know, all the time. So it's constantly changing, but I feel like, that end product of those dugout conversations, it all started way back at, you know, 1230 in the afternoon before that seven o'clock game. 
and really early in the season when that culture is created. So what do you do? Let's say a guy comes back to the dugout. He's got three punch outs and uh, in this day and age, he would probably see another reliever or have seen two at this point. But what does that conversation look like? Cause he's just like, he's swimming a little bit and you notice that, do you have a conversation with him or do you wait for him to come to you? Just help us to help the player that's struggling during the middle of a game. I really think it depends on the player. Uh, and that's why it's so important to get those reads on those players. And you, you guys, you know, you have, you obviously, this guy's on your team. You have an, you have a, you have a relationship with him already. So you know how he's going to handle it. There's some guys that, Hey, it is not going to do this guy any good to talk to him during this game. You're going to let him fight his way out of this, you know, get through this one. And then like, we can talk after, you know, or he's going to get like, you know, a phone call that night or whatever, just, you know, a pick me up or encouraging or talk it out. And then there's other guys that need to hear it right then and they want the adjustment now, you know, and they need it now. And, and that's when, you know, as hitting coaches, we got to be in the box in there with that guy, every single guy that goes up there. So for as many at bats as on our team that night, like they feel like I'm in the box with them so that when they, cause more guys than not are going to come up to you. There's most of them feel, most of them feel comfortable enough. If you have that relationship where it's like, and they trust you and it's like, you know, what do you see? What do you see? I get that more than, more than I want. Cause sometimes I don't see anything, <laughs> you know? And I'm like, right. well, what is it? What are, what are you feeling? Like, why are you asking me that? You know, where's this coming from? Or, you know, whatever, like, wh- how are you seeing the ball? What are you feeling? You know, what's your game plan? What is your thought, you know, going up there? So I think it depends, you know, to make a long answer even longer, uh, you know, I think it depends on the player and I think it depends on their personality. And I think that, you know, as the season goes and the more we're around these guys, we get to know those guys and who can handle it or who should be talked to right away. And, and the other guys that come up to you and ask, and you're like, we'll just talk after, you know, get your sights to left center right here. We'll talk after the game. Just reset yourself, you know, something That's like fantastic. that. No, I love that. So uh, I do have a couple of different questions before you go. And Lance, I, I think that, that I, I'll be the first one to tell you that you've, you've killed the conversation so far. It's been awesome. Uh, but before you go, I did have a couple of quick hitters. What's the latest thing that you've learned that you're really excited about that you're excited to dig more into? Um, I think I've looked into some body movement and body patterning stuff with some different drills and just kind of how we pattern, uh, pattern, pattern our bodies and just, you know, some of this stuff is with a rope and I just, I looked at it recently, you know, it definitely interests me and seeing how it kind of fits into, into how we work as hitters, you know, with the swing. So it'd be interesting to dig more into that. Are there any particular resources that you've, that you've liked in regards to that? Uh, you know, resource, resource wise, I've just been doing, you know, information as far as, uh, you know, uh, throughout the internet, just, just mock three training, different, different stuff that has, that talks about the pattern. Like a lot of it, like we like to look at a lot of golf stuff, even, you know, just the way the body moves and how the body's pattern. Oh, awesome. Well, thank you for that. Uh, what is a trend that you see coaches doing that can be or needs to be simplified? I think we got into it a little bit. Uh, just the age of information and given just given too much information to kids and players. And I just think, like like we talked about, I think it's part of our job to uh, go through and just simplify it for them. You know, maybe maybe get the grunt work out and we handle the grunt work just so we can get it as simple as and and as uh, informative, but as as simple as you know it needs to be for them. Love it. What is a drill that your players love that we can steal from you? Uh, we talked about a little bit before the, the synapse. I've been killing the synapse. So been doing a, 
a loading drill with a synapse. We do three of them. Then we go back in the cage and hit maybe seven to eight swings, just where we feel that load. We, we feel our backside. We really feel what control feels like and controlling our move forward. And then we're right back on the synapse for three and back in the cage. And we usually do three or four rounds of this constantly. And, and guys are loving it right now. Cool. And for the listeners, the synapse uh, is a is a, a training device and I'll I'll make sure that I link link it in the show notes. It's not if you Google it, I'm sure they'll talk about the different connections between your brain, uh, which is part of it. But you're actually talking about a, a training device to help with you know glute activation and your forward move. So I'll make sure I put their website in the resources section below. What is one book if you could buy for all of our listeners? We're listening; they're all listening around uh, Christmas time. Uh, so what is if you could buy all of our listeners one book for Christmas? What would it be? Man, I've been really down on my reading ever since COVID. Usually my time on the road in the season is where, where I do my reading. But some, sure. something I'm getting into now that's been pretty good has been the anticipation and decision-making in sport and just kind of diving into a little bit on, on how we make the decisions we make and anticipation and how it all plays in. Well, awesome. Well, Lance, again, I, man, I appreciate your time. I appreciate your friendship and, and always look forward to our conversations together. I will link your social media accounts below if anyone wants to get in touch with you. Uh, they can find you on Twitter and Instagram, and I'll, again, put that below. But I'm going to mute myself and, and let you take over the mic and just talk to our guys if, or and gals that are listening. So is there anything else that you'd like to tell them before you go? Not really. I just want to thank you, you know, for the podcast. And, and you want to talk about, you know, a resource to get better as both a player and a coach. You know, I've, I've grown so much just from listening to your stuff and just from the baseball community. I just, it's amazing what you're doing. I just want to thank you for it. Thank you for listening to Ahead of the Curve. You can subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, which could include Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, or YouTube. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please share it on social media to help get the word out. Once again, thank you for joining us.